Today's interview has been fueled by Gatorade. Whatever path you take to greatness, Gatorade is there to fuel it. Greatness starts with G. And now, The Low Post. Welcome to The Low Post podcast on a Friday morning where the NBA draft is over. Kendrick Perkins had a meltdown on national TV. Moody Moses. I love you, Perk. It was an all-time TV moment. That might be better than Windhorst sliding in his chair across the screen. Miser Moody? Oh, Perk. Oh, he's never going to hear the end of it. Russell Westbrook's on the Lakers. Bradley Beal is on the Wizards still. Oklahoma City got more draft picks. The Knicks got more cap space. Lots of stuff happened. The free agency period begins Wink, wink, Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Helping us all break down the madness as we sprint toward a long-awaited offseason. The one and only Bobby Marks, who I think is functioning on peanuts, pretzels, and pure, unadulterated adrenaline. And a little bit of coffee, too. Two hours sleep. I've circled August 20th as, like, the finish line. Just get me to August 20th, and I'll be in good shape. But we got three August weeks 12th. to do that. August 12th. That's my circle. You know, I'm two hours of sleep. I'm I'm serious. That's not good. That's no. not enough. I, I'm in right now. I feel like after when Kawhi um, decided to go to the Clippers, that's how I feel right now. My health where am I? I'm getting that like droopy eye. We need to stop in American culture, the lionization of people who don't sleep. Like, oh, wow, the, you read these magazine profiles like so-and-so only sleeps three hours a day and everyone's like, what a what an admirable worker. It's like, no, that just means you're slowly dying. You're killing yourself. You're, you're like taking your life expectancy away. We talk all the time about, oh, the players need sleep. Teams have changed their travel schedules so that team players can sleep more. Sleep, sleep, sleep. All the sleep doctors at Harvard say this and the sleep doctors there say that. And then we and then we have this thing where it's like, I haven't slept in four days because the NBA draft room was like, good for you. Bad for you, Bobby Marks. Take a nap. <laughs> I'll take a nap to Bristol this afternoon. How's that sound? That's good. Okay, let's start with the big headliner. Russell Westbrook to the Los Angeles Lakers for deep breath. Contavious Caldwell Pope, Kyle Kuzma, Montrez Harrell, the number 22 pick in yesterday's draft, which I think ended up with Indiana and Aaron Holiday, and the 31st pick went to the Wizards. Uh, the Wizards sent two second-round picks back to the Lakers as some sort of compensation. Um, obviously, we need to start with the Lakers, who now have, I, I think, five players under contract, earning almost $130 million between them. Um, they sat on the fence of an alternate path where they could have traded Kuzma and Harrell, maybe a pick, maybe not, it's still blurry to me, for Buddy Heald. In that scenario... You still have Contavious Caldwell-Pope, and you still have Dennis Schroeder's bird rights with the potential to re-sign Dennis Schroeder. So you have more shooting with Buddy Heald, and you have more depth with KCP and Schroeder. Now you've traded effectively three for one, and maybe four for one if you end up just losing Schroeder for nothing, which I think... I mean, you you know this more better than I do, but I, that seems the likeliest outcome here, slightly more likely than a sign-and-trade. I have to say, Bobby, I, I, I am a little bit of a Russ skeptic. I have been a Russ skeptic. He's amazing. I just, you know, we'll see how this works. I like, at first blush, I like the Schroeder healed KCP path better than the Russ path. Uh, what think you? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, I think, I mean, if you go on paper, yeah, you get the three guys with Westbrook to that mix, but... Like, I just don't know how they're going to be able to build out the rest of this roster unless they're going to ask guys to take, you know, certainly discounts, free agents. You still have um, Alex Caruso and Talon Horton Tucker to bring back, right? They're free agents. Uh, you you got to bring them all back. You got to yeah, bring back I mean, Wes. You, you got to bring back Mark, Marquise. Even, you don't have choices. Even Mar like a guy like Marquise Morris, who you have um, like early bird rights on, um, you have – that's that is how you're going to be able to fill in the gaps and – taking back a guy in a signing trade is off the table now. You know, I think if you go, if Schroeder runs out of options, maybe there's a signing trade out there where you're maybe taking some contracts back, but those yeah, are your, to be clear, to be clear, to refresh people on the rules, 
The yeah. Lakers can sign and trade Schroeder out and get players back for him. They cannot acquire a player who is signed and traded to them, correct? Yeah. As you can take back guys that are under contract as long as you're not acquiring a player who is a free agent and is being, you know, it's a double sign and trade, I guess, that you cannot, you know, you cannot do uh, Dennis Schroeder for DeMar DeRozan. You know, that's that's not going to happen just because of the, the hard caps at $143 million. So, I mean, you have, as you said, you've got five guys at $130 million. One of them, two of them is Marcus Gasol, and the other one's Al, is Alfonso McKinney. I mean, they're, they've got $120 million between the, those, the three guys. That's more than 20 teams heading into the offseason salary-wise. I mean, it's it's a monster. That's a monster payroll. It's almost like, you know, Rob Polinka basically pushed everything to the middle as far as you know the pick, um, the the contracts that are you know say what you want, but they're three you know role players on contracts that are less than you know thirteen million dollars here. So now you have three guys earning thirty five plus. Like you know, like you are who you are right now. And it's going to be basically these fringe moves as far as what you do with the rest of the roster. Uh, so a couple of things. You mentioned the hard cap that comes into play when you acquire someone with a sign-and-trade or you use the full mid-level. I heard that the Lakers were adamantly opposed to we are not hard-capping ourselves. We're just not doing that to our in-season flexibility. We want to maintain our options. Um, and that that precludes Kyle Lowry being signed-and-trade. Anyone you want to sign-and-trade to them, that precludes it happening. Um, everyone, to my knowledge, and again, you can't reach everyone on draft night. It's too crazy. But to my knowledge, everyone or almost everyone I could talk to that was on the involved in the potential Buddy Heald Kings trade was kind of blindsided when it fell apart at the end. Um, now let's let's talk about Russ. Um, Russ is a great player. He got legitimate All NBA support last year. Uh, another great triple double season for the Wizards. Um, and I think that there is something to the notion that perhaps we, the commentariat, fetishize shooting and spacing at the expense of just who's freaking good at basketball a little bit. And Russell Westbrook is freaking good. And we have seen it over and over again that if you take really good, really physical, really smart players and put them together they can compensate through their IQ, their ferocity, their pressure on the rim, and Westbrook still pressures the rim as much as anyone in the league. Although, although his rim attempts frequency dipped a little bit alarmingly last year in Washington with a corresponding jump in mid-range jumpers, which are barf, and threes, which are super-duper barf. And we can talk about why that might be and what it means. But again, IQ, ferocity, passing, interior passing, you can make up for some spacing limitations. And yes, you can give me all the stuff about how Russ can run the offense when LeBron rests and, you know, LeBron needs a secondary creator to take the load off of him even when he's on the floor. That was the idea. Was sure, I get all of it. Here's the thing. The difference between Russ and all these other guys that you want to talk about, whether it's Schroeder, Rondo, all the alleged non-shooters they've had next to LeBron in this role is A, Russ is the worst shooter. B, he shoots the most. He shoots the most of basically everyone in the NBA. So it's a volume issue. Like those other guys knew their role. We have seen zero evidence that Russ is okay shooting the third most attempts on his team. So there's a volume issue there. Um, and and so those and three, we've had this dialogue for there's two strands of overarching dialogue that we've been, I feel like we've been having for 15 years. Number one, oh my God. Russ could be an incredible cutter if he really committed to it. Hey, and look at those two ATOs that the Thunder ran in 2013 when Russ cut baseline and got dunks. Wow, imagine if you could bottle that. And wow, he could set screens for LeBron. Like the, the, the LeBron Schroeder pick and roll became that. And it never, ever happens. It still hasn't happened. He just does nothing when he doesn't have the ball. And the other narrative that has happened sometimes is, well, you know, LeBron, he should be a power forward, but he wants to play the three. And AD, he should be a center, but he wants to play the four. So the Lakers have to get JaVale McGee and Andre Drummond and Dwight Howard and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we've, we've been having this discussion since Cleveland. What position is LeBron? Ultimately, it hasn't mattered so much because LeBron and AD are amazing and you could play them with you, me, and our producer and we'd be pretty freaking good. But um, 
But I think given Russ's limitations as a shooter, it's now going to matter more than ever. And we have seen those guys commit to those roles in the playoffs when it matters. And I, and I, so I think it, maybe it's a non-issue, but we might have to see them commit to it a little bit more because that's what introducing Russell Westbrook to your team means. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a fascinating experiment and it, it feels like kind of with Russ, it's, he, you know, he's better when there's less around him, right? Like the year in, um, you know, that year in Oklahoma city post, you know, post Durant, um, but now, you know, let's see what happens when, you know, if LeBron is primary, the primary ball handler, you know, how does he fit in? You know, like that's, and that's the, you know, that's the big thing. It's like, you know, you hear people say, well, they'll, they'll, they'll make it work. Like I've heard that before, right? Like I've heard that a lot with different teams as far as when you're putting roster together, they'll, they'll, they'll make it work. And it, now it just like, it's put so much pressure on you to go out there and, and figure out what roster spots six to 14 are going to be right now. And the other thing is, you know, when the healed stuff was popping, I kept hearing, you know, yeah, I like, I like to fit of healed on offense. I mean, if you put shooting around LeBron, it's just a home run. We've we're 20 years into this, like great shooters play great with LeBron and buddy healed is one of the greatest shooters in the history of basketball. That sounds like hyperbole. It's not part of it is just that buddy healed was, was grew up in basketball at a time when threes and Steph Curry were a thing. But in terms of volume and accuracy, he's one of the best shooters ever. But I kept hearing, well, defensively, he's soft. He's not very long. He doesn't try hard. Like, how is that going to fit with the Lakers? I'm like, I thought the narrative that Russell Westbrook was a good defensive player died five years ago. He He's not a good defensive player either. Now, he, he, he has a, a sort of sometimes misapplied effort to him where he runs around and jumps around and he gets rebounds. And that is at the rebounding is actually really important. The Lakers would be a good rebounding team, but it, it, he's not a plus defender. And to me, if LeBron doesn't have one more great defensive year in him, I think that becomes a major question for the Lakers, but I am done doubting LeBron's defense. I think he probably does have one great defensive year in him. And even if they have to go Bron AD at four and five, and they're a little smaller, and the Lakers in 2020 when they won, loved being huge. They loved having, hey, if we trap with our center, if we trap with AD, you got two huge dudes behind the play. Uh, we love that. And, and even if you have to sacrifice some of that size, I just think LeBron and AD defensively is still really, really strong. But the burden just gets bigger and bigger and bigger on those two guys to really, and the culture that Frank Vogel has instilled in that to really, really lift you on that end. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think we're going to see a lot of AD at the five, right? I mean, that's just going to, it's going to be how it is. And it's, it's amazing though, that, that we've went from a team that won um, a championship a year. It wasn't even a year, less than a year ago, because it was Orlando. And this, this roster is wiped clean. I mean, it is wiped clean completely. There's no, there's no player on this roster that has been drafted. No first round picks on this roster. And that's, that is an all in, you know, based on the AD trade, we, we understand why they did that. And now you, we, you know, Kuzma's gone, you traded your first this year. Um, that's why I, I like the heel trade because it, it, it still kept, it still allowed you to maybe do something with KCP and it allowed you to do something with that pick. Cause from my understanding, the Sacramento part was, was, was healed for Montrez and Kuzma and not the pick. So it gave you kind of two cracks at the apple here where, um, you could use KCP in the pick to do something else, but now you basically just pushed it all in the middle and say, here you go. And now you have, you have nothing left besides, as we talked about, um, your own free agents and your taxman level and your veteran, you know, minimum exception. Let's simplify it. A LeBron axiom for his career is if LeBron's the best shooter in the, on the floor for your team, you have failed to construct an optimal lineup around him. If he's the best three-point shooter on the floor, you need to do better. Right now, unless you count Marcus Gasol, who's a good and sometimes willing, sometimes not three-point shooter, he's the best three-point shooter on the floor. Now they'll get, like you said, they'll get what they'll get all these guys back. But LeBron plus Russ plus AD is going to be tight. LeBron plus Russ plus AD plus center is going to be uh, just a 
forest of bodies all around the rim. It's going to make LeBron's post-ups harder. It's going to make AD's post-ups harder. The help, all that stuff, the rotations are easier. And yet again, talent and smarts and ferocity can trump a, a lot of that. They are going to be really good in transition. And when they won the title, they were a devastating transition team. They're tripling down on that. The bellwether for them has been their half-court offense, which has been bad, just flat-out bad the last two regular seasons. Uh, was really good in the bubble when when they played excellently and got some hot three-point shooting. And we'll see how it functions here. But the map to a, a stable half-court offense, a strong half-court offense, is is... A little bit, a little bit blurry, I think. But I look. I also wonder how much LeBron had to do with this trade because the sack thing was close. I'm not sure how much the organization and the power players in the Lakers organization how much faith they had in Dennis Schroeder after last year. The Instagram post, which was before the trade was even official. I mean, when can the trade? Is the trade not even official for another week? I've lost track. Yeah, well, it can't. It can't happen to August sixth. And for two things, I mean, the, the Lakers are still hard capped, right? So, like, from because we're still in the twenty twenty one calendar year, and then Kuzma's, you know, that poison pill restriction, which basically um, his contracts is half the value right now, um, doesn't kick in until August. August 3rd. So that's for the money to work. You can't happen until um, the 6th. But but just regarding like Schroeder, like talk about it was a guy who's lost some money here. Right? I mean, like a guy who, you know, we thought was, you know, potential extension. And now you're going to be looking for, you now you're basically lumped in with those other good free agent guards. You know, you're in with the no, Dinwiddies and the Lowrys, right? I'm glad you brought him up again because there is this sort of, it's not fantasy, I don't know what it is, this scenario, this beautiful mind scenario where, wait a second, the Lakers could still get Buddy healed by signing and trading Schroeder somewhere, right? And so people are building this deal. Well, here's the problem. I don't think Sacramento wants Schroeder. I don't think Washington wants Schroeder because they just opened up some cap space. I don't think as much cap space as people think for the next two summers, but some, and there's already like, well, they can get someone to come play with Beal and this and that. Um, so that leaves you with, well, I've got to find a fourth team that wants Schroeder, that has assets to send to Sacramento for Heald that Sacramento actually wants. That alone is too many balls in the air, especially when you look at the teams with point guard needs many of them have cap space so like why am i participating in this trade to help all these other teams where i could just sign dennis schroeder so i don't really see i don't really see a pathway for that to happen um but again these people are all brilliant at their jobs they probably will could will turn over every stone to try and make it happen but i just i just don't see one do you well no and i think a couple of things i mean signing trades guys gotta be on a three-year contract Right. That's one of the things. I mean, the first year has to be guaranteed. You could do non guarantees for two and three. And the reason why, a big reason why Sacramento liked that deal was because they realized like our depth stinks. <laughs> right. Like you get, you basically break up the healed contract and you get two guys back. You get two serviceable, serviceable players with Kuzma and, um, and Montrez, Montrez, because you thought you were going to you're going to lose um, Rashawn Holmes to free agency, right? That's kind of like your insurance policy there. And to, to to rope in, you know, if a team like if a team like New Orleans, just for example, um, I'm just using them as an example, likes Dennis Schroeder, they'll just sign him with cap space. Or New York, um, teams like that to to get a third and a fourth team. I mean, I just I don't see it. I don't see it either. Just as a as a sidetrack. Charlotte has been interested in Rashawn Holmes, and they made an interesting move last night to take in Mason Plumley for and the number thirty-seven pick, which is a nice asset for them. Charlotte had an interesting night. Book night fell to them. Yeah, uh, they made a trade with the Knicks to get up to nineteen and got Kai Jones. Yeah. Who people seem excited about. Um, I also think you just look at there's so much buyer's remorse with teams who signed centers last summer to deals between seven and 10 million. They're all trying to get off of them favors. The jazz just made a trade this morning per Woj dumping favors into Oklahoma city's cap space cost them a first round pick. They already dumped Tony Bradley last summer cost them a second round pick. I think maybe two, I can't remember Baines disaster. Harrell fine played out of the rotation dumped 
Tristan Thompson, Boston would love for anybody to take Tristan Thompson, Tristan Thompson off their hands. And now Plumley, I think Charlotte still has like 12 and a half or 13 million in cap room, which can still get them into the homes conversation or to the center conversation. I am interested in what they do, but I just look at those trades and it's like, if you're signing a fringe starter backup center to a, to a deal at that amount, unless you're going to win the championship and like the 14 minutes he's going to play are going to be the difference there. And that was the idea with Utah and favors and even they're punting on it. Like that deal is just a mistake. You know what the trend is with all those guys you just mentioned? They all signed the mid-level. They all signed the mid-level exception, the full mid-level exception. And when you do that and you miss out and it just, it's like, you know, with, with Utah, you know, they drafted a center last year. Um, now you're over the cap when you don't when you don't when you miss out on your mid-level guys it, it kills you you know i mean it really hurts you from a roster standpoint now they're going to rely on you know basically they don't want to pay a substantial luxury tax and as as far as you know you're just now you're not you got minimums again um there but um yeah i mean charlotte i i wrote them up when we had to do like kind of winners and losers um you know last uh you know, on, um, on Thursday night, I, I really, you know, Mason's got his deal is partially guaranteed next year. He's making eight and four million. Right? Yeah. It's like he's half like making, he, he got a little bit of a trade bonus and make an eight and change two years, 16 million. You know, you probably would have had to pay Nerlens Noel, you know, maybe three years, 24 million, you know, or, you know, maybe a little bit less than that. And, um, I liked I liked what they did in the draft with the two guys. I mean, Book Knight's a replacement for Malik Monk, who they'll you know they're not going to qualify likely. Um, you know, Cody Zeller will be gone, um, so you kind of just fill in you fill in the gap. You know, it's kind of like that little bit of a um, little bit of bargain shopping. You know, not in their DNA to trade future ones, right? Like that's not in the DNA of Charlotte. But they have, you know, they've got protection on that, you know, four years out that goes to New York. So I, I do like what they did. But you're right as far as from and, and it's and it's a and it's a and it's a pick for a pick. It's net yeah. new, it's pick neutral for them. Yeah. And it goes, you know, it turns into, I think, two seconds if it's not conveyed. But you're right. I mean, I think that's going to be a lesson. We'll see if it's a lesson learned this offseason as far as how what teams there's not the free the free free agent center class of like those mid guys outside of kind of Jared Allen is not great. So I don't see many teams, maybe Daniel Tice, committing full mid-level to um, to centers. One uh, last thing on Russ. Um, last season, 30% of his shots came at the rim. That's the lowest number of his entire career. Now, if you, if you sorted the stats, and I will do it in a second, from like March 1st to the end of the season, I bet that number jumps up. The year before in Houston – 49% of his shots came at the rim. Why? Because Houston basically reconfigured its entire team to accommodate his style of play by mothballing centers completely and trading Clint Capella to Atlanta and enabling Russ to have open driving lanes all the time. That's obviously not going to be the case in LA. And that 30% figure... And a jump in turnover rate, which was alarming last season. And again, he got better as he got healthier. And so if you're getting the rust that was the last two months of the season, those all those numbers are better. But that that 30% figure, I would keep an eye on. How much cap flexibility do the Wizards have in the next two summers? Like how much of this we can get a big star to come play here is realistic for them? Well, this this offseason, they, they gave them flexibility to, to potentially use their full mid-level. I mean, they were like... I'm per, talking I'm yeah, talking next two summers. 20, this, they've got this about summer 20, between out. 25 and 30 in, 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 um, in next offseason, 2022. So the, the flexibility potentially is there because you have... You have Beal, and then you just have a roster of guys on, on rookie-scale contracts, right? You've got like five or six guys on these rookie-scale contracts. KCP's number is partially guaranteed for next year. Um, Montrez comes off. Uh, Kuzma's on at $13 million. Um, so they'll have the flexibility as far as to, um, to go out and potentially get another guy to play along Beal. You know, that's not a max slot, but it's close enough that – 
you know, you can already see them trying to dump Bertans somewhere to get to get more money. And then the next year, I think they actually have a little less because Hachimura's deal yep. is up. And so his mega cap hold kicks in. Then you're going to have Avdia's mega cap hold kicking in. After, I mean, cap space goes fast in the NBA. Yeah. It goes really fast. That's why the Hawks were smart last year to say, let's use our space now and get at least one guy in Bogdanovich who like semi-fits our timeline. Eventually, you got to pay the rookies. Right. I mean, eventually that what ha that's what happens. It just kind of you, you go in cycles here. Passion, drive and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights and more. Whether you're into speed, power or style, eBay Motors has got you covered with over 122 million parts, 122 million for your number one ride or die. You'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's demon time on Prize Picks, where you can now win up to 100 times your money. That's right. 100 times your money. With as little as four correct picks, you can turn $10 into $1,000. Demons and goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at Prize Picks. Squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts. And as always, Prize Picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. They even offer injury insurance so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Just download the app today and use code LOW for a first deposit match up to $100. That's code LOW on the Prize Picks app for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Let's quickly pivot to Simmons, who was not traded last night. I don't think Philly has anything close. No, I agree. Um, <laughs> I, 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 think, I think they got nothing. Nothing close. Where do they go from here? Because there's all these reports that, and I think they're, you know, sometimes offers and reported offers, you get kind of lost in a game of NBA telephone. Like I'm hesitant to say, I know for sure this was the offer. But I think the reports that they, that they asked for like a whole bunch of draft picks from the Warriors plus Wiggins plus maybe Wiseman. And I think the report from Kevin O'Connor at the ringer was like four firsts and swaps and stuff from the Spurs. I think those are broadly accurate, which are interesting to me for two reasons. Number one, none of those deals are getting a player that's actually an all-star. And and my assumption or, or, or borderline all-star, and my assumption all along has been if you're trading Simmons, you're in Embiid's prime, you got to win Right now, like you, you don't have the luxury to make like a Dejounte Murray plus a bunch of picks. I mean, Dejounte Murray is a good player, but he, you know that's not getting you the championship. It, it it strikes me as they're a little bit more flexible with what they'll take, and they're confident that if we get all of these picks, we can turn that stuff into that missing player somewhere down the line. I just I thought it was interesting. I just didn't really think they would so strongly consider. Deals like that, maybe they're not. Maybe they're just throwing a bunch of stuff out to get teams to up their own offers. But where do they go from here? Well, yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I mean, when you when you look at what they were trying to get from Golden State as far as all those picks, it was basically going to be used probably for something down the road, right? It was kind of like, what's the next deal? Um, you know, the teams that were mentioned as far as Toronto, right? That was a team that's that was mentioned, and and but and those are actually real players. You know, like Fred Van Vliet and OG Siakam. There, I never bought. I never bought that. The, this I, Van Vliet and Unobi pick thing was a was a Philly pipe dream. Yeah, that was it, never. A you, real thing. you got no chance. <laughs> I mean, no chance. And I think, I think it'll be interesting if if they revisit maybe something with Portland with CJ. But you know, it's but it's going to probably have to be CJ and multiple ones, right? And pick swaps and and I I think the bar is just the where they put the bar right now is that at James Harden level, right? There's the James Harden level. There's the, there's the Drew Holiday level. I don't want to say Paul George because that was different because that was Kawhi involved there. But teams don't view 
you know, Ben Simmons is a really good player, but they don't view him in the same light as as James Harden. So I think you're not going you to get. You know why? You know why you can't ask for the James Harden price aside from the fact that you'll be all we all saw the playoffs. You tried to trade this same guy and lots of other stuff for James Harden. Like that's like we all that happened like not that long ago. Yeah, I mean, I and I think with Philly, I think what we'll probably see is. Um, you know, with, I think Simmons will be here when we get to training camp, and I think they're going to go. They're going to go hard after Kyle Lowry. I think that's kind of going to be what. I think that's going to what, what we're going to see. You know, and it's going to have to become from from a sign and trade standpoint, right? And it's so gonna, let's talk about that. Yep, let's go because I I agree with you that Philly is going to try to get Lowry. I also, if I were them, I know they've like I don't know if sniffed around is the right where they've tiptoed around. Made 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 you know, like have little vague conversations about Buddy Healed. I might revisit that if I were them. But let's talk about Lowry. Because it has to be a sign and trade. And if you have, I don't have it in front of me, a hundred million dollars of Embiid plus Harris plus Simmons yeah. still on your roster, you're going to be hard capped and you're gonna be brushing up against that hard cap pretty fast. So how much money can they actually offer Kyle Lowry? And obviously, they're going to have to trade some combination of Danny Green signed and traded, George Hill, Seth Curry. Like, you're trading it plus the young stuff that the Raptors would actually want. Um, so you're trading a lot out to get him. You have to fill your roster. So how much can they realistically pay Kyle Lowry? And, like, what is that? How do they fill the rest of the roster? Just get a bunch of dudes on minimums, basically? Yeah, I mean, you're going to have to get minimums. I mean, right now, where they are, they're like $11 million. Even, they're not hard-capped. But they're 12 million below the hard cap if it was ever triggered, right? Like that's kind of right. where they are. I mean, they do have the flexibility with that George Hill contract, which is, but that date's coming up soon. It's got like a million two guaranteed. Um, and, you know, you have flexibility there, right? You've got a couple non guaranteed guys on your, um, you know, Anthony Tolliver's on your roster and stuff like that. So, to try to put a, um, you know, Kyle Lowry is looking for like 20, you know, 25 million north, right? North of 25 million. I mean, it will, it, I mean, Seth Curry, I mean, but, but here's the thing. Like you could say, well, we're going to do Danny Green. Well, Danny Green doesn't matter to your cap because he's not counting already, right? Like it's like, you know, Danny Green isn't one of those 15 million counting towards your salary cap right now. So I think you're probably looking at like, like 17, 18 million dollars as far as um, as far as trying to work out a sign and trade to try to make uh, to make the money work, and then you're looking at basically kind of all minimum uh, minimum type guys. And and if it's three years guaranteed, I think that's going to give Philly some pause. Kyle's thirty five, I think. Great player. Last year was the first year where there was a little bit of slippage in some parts of his game. Now, obviously, last year, you're tempted to just throw it away, throw it out because COVID, Tampa, Raptors were not very good. Um, but that would give them pause, I think. Um, and, I'm, and I'm wondering sort of what other pathways they have. But sort of, sort of more broadly, what's interesting to me is, say you get Kyle Lowry or some, you know, really good point guard, like who can, organ who can act as an organizer of your offense. That changes Simmons' role to some degree. Um, but it also opens up the possibility that if the pieces fit a little bit better, everybody kind of looks better. And yeah, even if Ben is not running as many pick and rolls, and by the way, they just if they just erase that part of his game in the playoffs already. Um, maybe he's 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 always gonna put up numbers. Maybe he's putting up 16, 10, and 10 in some sort of role that's halfway between Draymond Green and Chris Paul, I don't know, um, and looks good. And the other teams are like, okay, he and and maybe he's made a jump as a free throw shooter. And the other teams are saying, oh, okay, like maybe that maybe that Atlanta series is behind him, and maybe those other series that are we kind of they're blurry now, like Toronto and all that. Maybe that's behind him. Maybe his trade value is higher. That seems plausible to me. I just don't know if it's plausible in real life when we've already had reports from Woj that are accurate that Rich Paul and Ben Simmons are in step with the Sixers trading him, which sounds very much like get me the F out of here soon 
I don't know what this situation looks like if Ben Simmons is in training camp. You know what I mean? I don't know how plausible that that happy, rosy scenario I, I, I outlined is. I think it, it, it's in theory plausible, but in, in reality, I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like who's the mystery team out there? Who's the mid-market mystery team that um, that would never be able to get Ben Simmons in for, if he was a free agent? It's like almost like we were, we ran up against in, in New Jersey when we went out and got Darren um, Williams in 2011 just because we knew we never had a chance of getting him. And who's a team that is intrigued by Ben Simmons? But, I, but we just talked about, like, but the cost right now is so freaking high that a team like Minnesota, right, for example, like probably D'Angelo Russell and two or three first, right? Like, does I, I love the D'Angelo Russell Malik Beasley plus a something yeah. package for Philly. I've always liked that. Philly fans don't, they turn their nose up at it because. You know, there's no defense. Delo's overrated. This and that. I just I like the general construction of that for both teams. Well, yeah, because it gets you it gets you two things you need. It gives you a shooter and be, and Beasley, and it gives you your point you know your point guard and and, and Russell. And I'm not a D. And I say that I'm not a Delo. I'm not either. I, I don't. I'm, think- I'm not. I'm I'm not gung ho either there. But I I think out of all the packages, I probably like that at the best. And that's the type of you know that's your mid market type team that would never be able to get Ben Simmons if he was a free agent. So the team that we mentioned earlier is interesting to me for that reason, and that's San Antonio. I don't know how serious San Antonio really was trying to get Ben Simmons, but I love that they poked around because to me, if you care about NBA history and stuff, what the Spurs are doing in the next two to three years is one of the biggest stories in the NBA because at some point Popovich is retiring, okay? And I think Popovich retiring will free them to pursue directions that they have not been able to pursue, i.e. deep rebuilds. But they've already drafted, I think, fairly well mid to late in the first round. They just have a bunch of DeJounte Murray, Lonnie Walker, Vassell, uh, Keldon Johnson, Jakob Pertl. Um, I'm probably forgetting someone, and they they picked, picked uh, Primo last night. Like, all those guys are solid. Um are, are, are like solid player. I mean, Samanich even started to show some stuff. Derek White, I forgot Derek White, who they've already paid, uh, who was starting a big four-year contract next year. All those guys are good. Maybe some of them, you know, Lonnie Walker, I think is polarizing. Some people don't think he's very good. I think he's okay. Well, those guys are okay to good. Some of them play similar positions and styles. It's like, where is it all going? The bigger question to me is, like, what is that all adding up to? And so... They should, to me, be poking around like, what can we turn some stuff into to get someone in here who, if I'm not optimistic that I have an all-star on this roster, and I don't think they do. Now, they may have a one-time all-star, one and two time, I don't know. Uh, if I'm not optimistic that I have two really borderline all-stars on this roster, it behooves me to try to transition my team somehow. And, and like the difference between Simmons and Beal is Simmons has four years left on his contract. Beal's got one. The Spurs, rightfully, I think, don't have much faith that they can just get guys to come and stay. They're not that kind of market. I like that they were at least poking around on Simmons. And that leads me to my next question, which is, so what's going on with DeMar DeRozan? Like, who's paying DeMar DeRozan? And, and, and sub-question to that, Bobby Marks, the Knicks opening up an extra 2 and a half to $3 million of cap space last night struck me as very interesting. I think they've got some plans. I've had inklings of what some of those plans might be, but I'm not quite ready to share them because I don't feel like I have the reporting hard enough. But I think they've got some plans. I don't think it was a total accident that they opened up an extra $3 million in cap space. Are they a DeRozan team? I, I, it's certainly been floated. I, I guess I get the fit on maybe a two-year deal. I don't love it for them. I, I don't really love DeRozan so much. He's a great floor raiser, though. What's happening with him? Where is he going to go? Yeah, I mean, I thought the Lakers, before everything happened, would have been a possibility, right? But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, then you're asking San Antonio to cooperate, right? You're, t- you're basically asking San Antonio to take back a, a, more, a more of a scaled-down version of the, of the Wizards package that they received, like Kuzma, Montrez, and in 22. Those two guys would have gone into cap space. So we can, we can throw them off – off the list we can throw to a team like probably the Clippers you know Clippers don't have any money to go so now you're looking at teams like Dallas right but 
Tim Hardaway Jr. Yuck. Right? Yuck. Now Yuck. you're looking at teams like Chicago, but they have to go through hoops to create room. Um, that is a name I've heard for DeRozan, and yet I'm like, okay, DeRozan, Levine, Vucevic, we're just going to give up defense? Like, we just don't care? We'll be the 23rd best defense in the NBA and just hope to God we can win enough games? Like, I just, I don't, I don't love that. I like the idea of another playmaker with Levine. I just don't, I, that would not be my choice. Yeah, I mean, even, um, you know, even a team like, you know, Miami is the other team, um, you know, cap space. But at the cost of you know some of their some of their guys there, how does he fit with you know with Jimmy Butler, right? Um, and then we come back to New York. They are in the pole position that when we talk about cap space, they've got like fifty, I think fifty three right now, and they can it can go up higher because they've got a bunch of these non guaranteed contracts. So I think that is a team we should probably circle when we're, when we're talking about the Rosen. Um, Depends on what his ask is going to be. You know, is it going to be twenty-five million? Is it going to be twenty-six million on a on a two-year deal? I think I would probably do that. I think I'd have a a little bit of a harder time on on a three-year deal. And is there a point guard coming with him? Right, like that's kind of like that's kind of like a package. Um, you know, that's kind of like a package deal there. Um, but they have the if they want to go out and get him, they can do it. Yeah, you know, they've got the the money to to do it. <sighs> I don't know what they're doing with that cap space, and I don't know where DeRozan's going. I don't know what New York's appetite is to have their cap space, part of it, taken up with an offer sheet that can hold you up for, what, 72 hours, 96 hours, two whatever days. it is. Two days. Uh, two days. Yeah. I don't know what their appetite for that is because two days is an eternity yeah. in free agency. Lots of players go off the board. Um, but if they're confident that they've now opened up enough cap space to do that and have multiple balls in the air – I there if I have a good restricted free agent, I, I'm sweating a little bit more about the Knicks than I than I was before. Even a guy like I'm I would I'm a, a guy whose free agency hasn't been talked about all that much outside Miami. I'm keeping my eye on Duncan Robinson yep. because I think some team is gonna throw a lot of money at Duncan Robinson because his skill is what everybody wants and he's absolutely elite at it. I would just keep my eye on that situation. Um so DeRozan the simplest outcome when you say who's going to pay a player and you can't find an example, and we just got to the Knicks and the Bulls, is, well, his incumbent team. Yep. I don't. I have tried really hard to get a, a, a gauge on San Antonio's appetite for re-signing DeRozan. A couple weeks ago, 10 days ago, it seemed like 80-20, 90-10 he was leaving. Then I heard someone say, oh, I might be more like 60-40, 50-50. I don't know what's going on there, but that decision to me is really interesting in tandem with Rudy Gay, Patty Mills, who I think you know they'd like to bring back because he's a, he's the sort of standard bearer now of Spurs culture. Um, you know, obviously Lamarcus is gone and now retired. Like if you lose to Rosen, that was such a big cog in your offense. I wonder if they look. Uh, to, to, I'm I would be fascinated by how many games can the Spurs win if they just go basically with all the young guys, or do they use their cap space, which they have a ton of? on a young-ish free agent who sort of fits their timeline. Lowry Markkinen would be an example, somebody like that. Uh, even Fournier, who's not that young, but you know, could they get him? If they, if they get another good player into that cap space, how good is that team with just young guys? Are they a 35-win team where you're still trapped in the middle? Or in the ultra-competitive West, have you sort of semi-accidentally, semi-on-purpose given yourself a one-year trough to get a high draft pick, which I think is the other way that they find someone to sort of round them out. But I don't know what they're doing with DeRozan. If you force me to bet, I bet DeRozan's on another team next year. And I, but I, I don't feel awesome about it. I don't feel like it's a lock. You know, it's, it's funny when you're talking about San Antonio, um, there's no blueprint as far as how they've done things besides drafting and developing, right? Like I, I when I wrote about them, like I, I wrote, they've never really married. I call it married outside the family cap space. Marcus Aldridge and I think Pau Gasol were like the only two guys they've signed with cap space in the last like five or six years. Um, there's no track record of them to be a team like taking back bad contracts and draft picks, right? Like we've seen it in the past with teams like Atlanta there. Um, and now like New York, they have the potential of $50 million to be kind of that backstop to take back bad contracts and draft picks here. But We've never really seen them do it here. So I think we're going to little, learn a little bit about San Antonio as far as 
you know what I think what they do this off season is kind of kind of like lay the tracks as far as for what what happens next year also. I had one GM tell me months ago the Spurs have just never been part of the NBA's trading ecosystem. Um, ecosystem was the never. Word. That makes it sounds <laughs> that makes it sound so fancy. It's an ecosystem of trades, um, you know. And obviously they've made trades like they the trade for Kawhi Leonard on draft night is an all timer. Then they had to trade Kawhi Leonard, and I think that's where obviously things start to go haywire to come out of that without any of Toronto's good young players. I mean, Pirtle's good, but I, that's not – DeRozan plus Pirtle is not the ideal. And they did get the pick that became Keldon Johnson, but still, you'd like to get something better out of that. And then hanging on, I think, a year too long to DeRozan and Aldridge is a whole thing. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes! Catch the clutch hits, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's there up there, whether it's roofers, Santa – Birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons. Watch out for them. You name it. They won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. There are other interesting things that happened last night. Oklahoma City made one of its... Uh, you know, traded 16 to the Rockets and then made another one of its let's flip two first round picks or two second round picks for one and get a guy we want, which I think is, we're going to see that kind of trade a lot from them in the next five or 10 years. Kept Shea Gildress Alexander. Yeah. Never, I never really bought that he was quote unquote available. I mean, everyone but like three guys in the NBA is like theoretically available. Yes. I never really got that Shea Gildress Alexander was realistically available. Um, we talked about the Knicks. I thought the Clippers and the Nets very interestingly sort of being aggressive in draft assets like the Clippers trading up to 21 and then trading for 33 and getting basketball blogger Jason Preston with the 33rd pick uh, and and the Nets getting 29 and 27 and Javon Carter, which, yeah, I don't – Javon Carter and Bruce Brown battles in practice could be a lot of fun. Um, they lost Shamit, obviously. I, Javon Carter started shooting threes last year with a, with a little audacity. I kind of liked it, 40% on corner threes. I, th those two teams – Getting aggressive in the draft, I thought was smart. Trying to trying to get some cheap contracts, uh, and then you mentioned some teams that you know were not that active last night: Miami, Dallas, Boston. Pick pick one of these teams. Who's interesting to you? Well, I I think Brooklyn, just because um, I, I, although they have a an extremely wealthy owner, I do believe there is a um, a cost associated as when it comes to this roster as far as paying a a steep luxury tax. Um, you did add an, you did add an, a first round pick. So you add a little bit of money there, but I think that the, with Landry, um, you know, there's, there was concerns as far as what the cost was going to be from an extension. And when he hits, rest he restricted free agency. So you got out in front of that a little bit earlier. I talked to a couple teams, um, last night and they had cam Thomas, like in their top 14, <laughs> Like he, they had him on their board, like, you know, in that 13, 14. And I, he's one of those guys I did, you know, like when I, the prep work for draft wise and um, for his interviews, I love the kid, man. I mean, he's got a, he's got an edge to him, Zach, like, you know, discipline edge. Like he don't put up with anything here. And I think that kind of turned teams off a little bit because they thought he was a little bit overconfident and, and arrogant here. So, and, and, and Daron Sharp too, I mean, kind of gives you a big, so I think the big thing will be what happens with the Andre Jordan now, right? Can they kind of figure out how to get off his money? And then you've got all these free agents with, you know, with certainly with Bruce Brown and we'll see what happens with, um, you know, we'll see what happens with, uh, with, with Blake. OKC is interesting just because as you said, like they just, they, they came in with three first round picks and they feel like they can, they left with like six, right? Like it just like, it's like the slot machine. Like you just keep on putting money in and it keeps on coming out and they get another one from Utah in the favors deal, which is probably going to start in 2024. 
you know, the, the Detroit one they got, um, who knows if it ever comes to fruition because there's so much, there's so much protection on that. Um, you know, so I, I mean, Hey, Sam's got a plan. And the interesting thing with, with Oklahoma city is like, you know, like this was the first, I think the only the second year out of like 15 years they've haven't made the playoffs. So let's see where this thing, um, where this thing goes a little bit here. The clips, as, as you said, like they turned chicken blank into something, right? Like Keon Johnson. I like Keon Johnson at 20, um, 21 and then BJ Boston and then Jason Preston. You know, they're, they realize Kawhi is going to be out. Let's get some wings. Um, and let's start a little bit of a, a quasi, you know, quasi youth movement. Yeah, I said before that I think Kawhi's injury makes it much more likely they just use their picks for young players. I did not expect them to be so aggressive trading up and trading in, and I think that was that was smart. By the way, the chicken <laughs> the chicken salad thing is a really good metaphor because chicken salad's not that good. It's just like <laughs> chicken salad is like the minimum acceptable barbecue like side dish. Like sometimes it's got too much mayo, it's like a little soggy. It's store-bought chicken salad is like always a bad idea just when it's sitting under that case. It's, it's like it's it's if the metaphor were like a food that was too good, it wouldn't work. Chicken salad is a I understand good there's going to be some chicken salad acolytes <laughs> that take issue with me. Yeah, you put some spices on there. It's fresh. All that it can be some really raisins, good. Some raisins, right? Raisins, some nuts it's, in it's, there. Yeah. I'm a fan of capers. I don't know if capers go in chicken salad, but I would just eat capers right out of the jar. Um, by the way, back to the Spurs. Josh Primo at 12. The first name I thought of when they picked Josh Primo at 12 was Cam Johnson. Because there are a couple of things we need to settle down on. Number one, everyone lambasted the Cam Johnson pick. What a reach. They should have traded back. I can't, but even further there, I can't believe they got Cam Johnson. Turns out Cam Johnson's good. The only reason they're getting C's and D's and F's for taking Josh Primo, really good names in this draft, by the way. If you don't think I'm a Bones Highland fan, oh my <laughs> God. Um, the only reason they're getting C's and D's and F's for that pick is because it was mocked to be, yeah. he was mocked to be in the late 20s. Well, what if all the mocks were just wrong and, and you know, the, he was valued higher than that? Let's see how, let's see how um, it plays out on, on that front with Josh Primo. Yeah, That's he, all you know, he does, it doesn't turn 19 until December. Whew. I mean, he is a young one and they can basically mold him how he sees and he is a terrific, a great, a great person. Like he fits perfectly and it's funny like i had two teams um you know text me last night like like if it wasn't san antonio like they would be getting really killed you know like you know like people have kind of given them a little bit of the benefit of the benefit of the doubt with that pick so and no and phoenix got no benefit of the doubt it turned out they were fine on that pick back to oklahoma city you know they've set the land speed record for already people are like well when are they going to turn all these picks into players when are they going to jump into contention this and that it this just started now, had they traded Shea for anything but like a top three pick, and I don't even think he was really on board for that, if they traded him, that's a different story. Then you can start asking the question of, well, wait a second, what's the difference between this and Hinky? Why are we allowing this to happen? I think it's very likely that Shea signs an extension with the Thunder early in free agency, maybe for the max, and maybe for five years. Um, and beyond that, this is Oklahoma City. This is not a let's trade for this guy. Not in this condition. Let's trade for this guy with a year left on his contract who's 28 years old because we think he'll stay here. That's not this market. This market has to build a different way. And until they trade Shea Gilgis-Alexander in a backward-moving trade, I think that noise is really premature. For one, none of these picks are, I'm sorry to bring it up, Brooklyn-level picks that are in Boston's wheelhouse where they're blue-chip picks. We just don't know what any of these picks yeah. are. Clippers picks, Rockets picks, picks from all over the universe, picks from Mars, Space Jam pick. I don't even know. Like, we just don't know what they are. Um, and so they're not like, oh, yeah, cobble all these picks together. If they were blue-chip picks, the Thunder might have had the number one pick in the draft last night. They're not, and so they didn't. And Shake Yelch Alexander is really good. And maybe he is the kind of guy that someday the right guy says, hey, you know, if you trade for me, I'm, I've, I've got two years left on my deal. I will stay here. So I, I'm the Thunder are just going to do the same. If they can't get into the number one pick stratosphere, they're just going to do the same thing they've done two drafts in a row, which is Pokashevsky, we want that guy. Here's two future first. 
Uh, these guys, this guy, 32, the guy they took at 32, we want that guy. Here's two future seconds. That's just, here's our two seconds in this trap. They're just going to make that trade over and over again. And I think for now, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, they kind of, they're almost like Memphis. They kind of know who they are, right? Um, with, um, I agree with you regarding if, if they had moved Shea, you know, it's like, well, when does when does this timeline start, right? When does this like roster retooling um retooling star and as as far as the picks you know it's funny when i when i wrote their offseason article i tiered them right like i took all whatever 18 picks and i put them into into three tiers because we always say oh my god they got 18 first or 19 first and like the brooklyn picks are in the tier one because they're unprotected same with the clippers but as you know like those could be in the 20s like those eventually could turn out to be the twenties, just based on if if the big three stays and Kawhi gets back and he's healthy here, and there's not one solid like as you said blue chipper like that you think could be a top four pick outside of you know outside of their own. Um, which is why they do have obviously incentive to not get too good um, <laughs> next season. Uh, and the Rockets have a lot of that incentive because I think in 2023 or four, they begin to owe their picks. So they they have no team has more incentive to be bad in the short term than the Rockets, who had a nice night last night, too. They got everyone's every draft Knicks favorite international guy in Shengun. Um, I'm going to give you a few teams that I find interesting for the offseason. Um, and I, I, I'm going to let you pick one to talk about. Yeah. Dallas, Dallas, Miami or Golden State. Pick one. Um, Miami, Miami's interesting to me just because a couple things, the Dragic and Iguodala options that are due any day here, um, the ability that Pat Riley has shown to, I guess, go big game hunting as you say, but there's not many, many big names out there. Or they do they just stay as a team over the cap? The Jimmy Butler extension that I mean I think that's going to be something that we'll probably be you know talking about as him wanting one and will Miami kind of give him one? Um, the Dun- I assume he and his agent walk in there and say, sure. "I want the max. Yep. Give me all the money and all the years." That's right. Um, you mentioned the Duncan Robinson. Um, Duncan Robinson from restricted free agency, Kendrick Nunn. I mean, the interesting thing with Miami is, you know, they've got 21 and potentially 21 and a half million dollars in, in room. That's if Dragic and Iguodala are not there, their options are declined. Um, and that room, you know, there's a little bit of a, a cap uh, loophole. Um, Nunn and Robinson. Yes, I was excited. I was excited <laughs> for you to explain this because yeah. you explained it to me, and I was like, "Okay, I get that. Go, please." So Nunn and Robinson have a cap hold of four point seven million dollars. It's the same as their um, that's their qualifying offer. And what Miami can do is they can pull the, the QO, and they, that would drop their their cap hold down to one six. So you basically save three million dollars for each guy, and you're probably saying like, "Well, why would Miami even do that or risk it?" You know, those guys would now be unrestricted free agents. Well, you do it with the understanding that neither one of those guys go out and shop and get an offer. Um, that you can you can bump your room up to like twenty eight million dollars if you need it. Use the room and then kind of circle back and sign um, you know each player and, and exceed the cap. So, you know, there there's different ways for them to do it. They can act as a team. Um, over the cap and try to do signing trades, maybe using the, the, the Dragic contracts if he if they um, if they pick up the option. They're they're really far away from from the hard cap to they're not in that Jimmy Butler territory from 2019 where they were pushed up against it. But I just look at them as like you know how the season ended, them getting swept by Milwaukee. Um, this is basically not good enough type roster here. But at the end of the day, still like their picks are still. Um, you know, their picks are still out. I mean, they still owe that pick to OKC in, in, um, in, in 2023, but you add another year, which is, you know, the, the, the seven-year rule, which goes out to 2028 now makes it a little bit better. So for me, they're just intriguing just because they have so many different options they can kind of go. And they could pay OKC a couple of seconds to lift the protections on that pick to make it easier for them to trade picks. I think yeah. they should do that. Give OKC more <laughs> picks. Um I, I can I think nobody knows what Miami is up to. And this is one of the first times that I've 
there's been this shroud of mystery around Miami because the big game, the big star target is unclear at this point. Like Beal's staying, it appears. Uh, Dame staying for now, it appears. Simmons to Miami has been reported. I frankly don't believe there's been any real traction there, and I don't really, I don't really love the fit. So maybe that's why it's murky. But teams around the league do not know what Miami is up to. And also, the optionality that they have probably um, plays into that. I think they will get involved in Lowry. I just don't, you know, we'll see if they have the the, the trade ammo to get it. Does it cost them Hero, who they were reluctant to give up for Kyle Lowry at the deadline? Um, he had kind of a down year. He's still very, very young and had a great playoffs for them when they made the finals. That's an interesting one. I don't know what they're up to. I really don't. And I don't think a lot. I, I just keep getting shrugs from other teams. Yeah, I mean, um, but we'll know. I mean, the, the Dragic option is October uh, is August first, right? So, like in any day now, we're going to know if they're going to be if they're going to if they act as a room team. I mean, as a, a team over the cap, then I think certainly the signing trades are in play, right? That those are definitely in play because I just it, it's hard for me to think that they roll back the same group and they just add a guy for the nine point five million dollar mid level. It's it's it, I don't I just don't see that. The other team I wanted to talk about is Dallas, who I think is going to be hungry to get better. Josh Richardson has an $11 million player option that I, I if I had to guess, he opts in. Um, yeah, given his, I think he does. Season last I, year, I think he does. Yep. Which, which, really, which really then hurts them because I, their path to real cap room is Josh Richardson's gone for no money. Um, Tim Hardaway is renounced and immediately re-signed for a number that's lower than his cap hold. And then by that, by that methodology, I think that you told me they could open up 17, 18, 19. That's enough for a good player. You've opened yourself up to sign and trade possibilities where you send out one other player to take in more money. Uh, what, what's the roadmap there? If Josh Hirschton opts in, do, do you pay a pick to get off him? I mean, that hurts. I don't know. I wouldn't. Um, and their window to use room is, is, is about to close. This is basically it because when Luca signs that extension and it kicks in in 22, and then you've got the Porzingis number um, and we'll see what happens with Hardaway jr. Like th then a lot of that go kind of goes, goes away here. So um, I do think Richardson is going to opt in. I think the hard thing with, with him is that there's just not many teams that have trade exceptions big enough, you know, because if you're going to say like, you know what, well, we'll trade him to Oklahoma city. Well, it's going to cost you, right. They're not going to just take back an $11 million salary. The Celtics have a trade exception. I don't think it is big enough to take back. I think it's like 10 and ch change. I mean, even like, you know, Orlando has a trade exception, but what do they need Josh Richardson for? I mean, they would want to pick there. So, there aren't the exception route there. So anything that you're going to do would have to go into cap space team, maybe a team that like New York that misses out on guys and wants to take a flyer on a one year on a guy on a one year deal, right? Something, you know, something to that nature here, but um, they are, they are the wild card. They're another wild card team because it's kind of, as I say, cap space at the expense of some of your own players. And if Hardaway is at 16, 17 million, then yeah, you still, you have, as you said, eight, you know, 17, 18 million dollars. Go out and get a, a pretty decent, pretty good player. Orlando. Orlando deserves at least a mention here at the end. I cannot wait to see what this team looks like. Look at all the young guys they've collected that are interesting. Suggs falling to them. They they were thrilled about that and not as shocked about it as I had thought. Chuma Okiki, I really like him. RJ Hampton's got potential. Cole Anthony was solid. Fultz, we'll see. Isaac's got to stay healthy. Franz Wagner, people seem to really like in the top 10. Uh, Mo Bamba is still there. They still have a little hole on the wing, but they've just like Wendell Carter Jr. is as a sort of second draft guy. They've collected a lot of guys. Isaac's already paid. Fultz is already paid. Eventually, all these guys will get paid. You can't pay eight young guys, so they're going to have a lot of interesting sort of exploratory. Let's see how all these guys look um, conversations. I, I, just, I just think they're, again, me and Kevin Clark and the 17 people who are fans of the Orlando Magic are like kind of excited to watch this team next year. Probably going to try to get another high draft pick. Well, the goal for them is has is, is been, as I call it, a sustainable roster, right? Like you can get it when you have all these young guys on, on, on controllable contracts. And then eventually if you turn them into, you know, either extensions or long-term 
after they're up. And I like their coach. I mean, I like Jamal Mosley. I, I think, you know, it's, you know, it's basically going to be player development one-on-one down there, right? There's like no, there's really not a timeline as far as, you know, how this roster is, you know, when, when will this team, you know, take big steps here? I think it's going to be interesting what happens to like Ter- Terrence Ross, right? Like how does he fit into this group? And he's got a good contract, I think two years, 25 million left, 13, 12 and 13 a piece. Yeah, 12 like, and a half, yeah. somewhere around there. So like, how does he fit into, um, he's there, Gary, um, uh, Gary Harris, you know, that like 20 on an expiring, like those are kind of like the two guys that real two guys that, you know, kind of don't fit, um, you know, with the rest of that group. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. We, we got to let you go a couple just, I wanted to mention, I think Boston's going to be interesting with Fournier and Marcus smart out there and Rob Williams, possibly extension. Indiana's always got a lot of balls in the air. The warriors made some interesting choices last night. And the point guard who doesn't get mentioned anymore is Kemba Walker, yeah. uh, who is an obvious trade candidate. But we've got a lot of days to talk about that. We have, I don't know, 72 hours before the fake moratorium starts, the fakeatorium. Uh, and at, at 6.01, we'll maybe see some some uh, not, not signing signings. Bobby Marks, <laughs> you will be there to chronicle all of it. You were on TV all the time. You had to eat peanuts and, and pretzels at 2 in the morning after the draft last night. Go get some food and take a nap, my friend. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Zach. I appreciate it. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply.